Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to <clears throat> come together. We ask that you would be with our service. Uh, we pray that the words would be your words today and each individual here would get a blessing out of our time together and our fellowship. And we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So when Matt asked me to cover for him for a couple of weeks, I'll be honest with you, at first I was a little bit reluctant. I was like, all right, so you got your own, like, this whole series about the path. I was like, what's, your, what's been your experience if you're giving someone else's message or sermon? He's like, well, to be honest with you, it hadn't been real great. Like, always feels a little weird doing that but the more we talked about it and um, after I read his notes certainly um, actually it's kind of an honor to do it uh, I think we're on the fourth week um, and then I'll I'll bring it next week and that'll be five so uh, and then Matt will cover <coughs> cover the rest but before we get too far into it I'm gonna throw a scripture down um, everyone knows this trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path so proverbs 3 5 and 6 um growing up that was one of my father's things he would constantly tell me that and you know i'd be like all right yeah dad whatever yeah i got it i got it i got it but when you really think about it that is that is your road map so let's talk for a second about, um, let's hit a definition of what is path. So um, the primary definition I came up with was a route, course, or track along at which someone or an object moves. Uh, the Urban Dictionary, if you dug into it a little bit deeper with path of life, a road map that guides you to a goal. But I dug a little deeper. If you go into the Hebrew language, the direction of a person's life, whether it follows God's or wanders off. So I believe that one of the most difficult things in life is to know what you don't know. What do you think? Think that's true? How important is it to know what you don't know? Have you ever looked at it from both sides? What do I know versus what do I not know? Give you a couple of examples of this from my own life. You've probably had a few of these yourself. If you're a parent, how could you have known that you knew nothing about parenting until the day your first child was born? If you've ever done any investing, you probably made a mistake or two. How could you have known that you didn't know until you made the mistake that cost you hundreds or thousands of dollars? If you're a Marine, on the day you reported to boot camp, how could you have known that you knew nothing about your duties and responsibilities as a soldier until your drill instructor demonstrated your ignorance to you? We are learning this series about a very simple formula for getting from where we are to where we want to be. We are learning that our direction 
determines our destination. That getting from point A to point B involves more than just hopes and dreams. It involves our path. So far, we've learned that life is a series of mid-course corrections. That when we see danger or conflict, it wouldn't be prudent. That was a word that Matt used multiple times to just ignore it. Inevitably, we all want to take shelter and avoid confrontation, chaos, and danger. We've learned that one of the most common mistakes in determining which fort to take is trusting our hearts. Because our heart and emotion, oh, I'm sorry, to take is not trusting our hearts because our heart and our emotions often lie to us. We've learned that one of the easiest ways to make a great decision is to ask ourselves the question, what story do I want to tell about this part of my life years from now? And today I want to help all of us learn an essential lesson for success along each of our paths. This lesson has to do with figuring out what you don't know. How do we do that? How do we discover what we don't know? versus what we do know so that we avoid the potholes and pitfalls and landmines we never saw coming. Fortunately, Solomon, the author of Proverbs, purportedly one of the wisest men who ever lived, gave us some help with his questions. So in Proverbs 15, 22, he wrote, Plans fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they succeed. So how can we know what we don't know? I think we seek advice from advisors. Specifically, we seek the right advice from the right advisors. Why do we not seek advice? I don't know about you guys, I don't like asking for help. Sometimes I don't want to hear someone to, I don't want to reach out and ask someone to help me. But we're going to cover three primary reasons we do not seek advice. Number one, we think we already know what we need to know. We have all done it. I got this. Unfortunately, this can be ignorance. All right, number two, it feels better to have people think we know what we're what, where we're going than to let them know we really don't have a clue. Unfortunately, this can be pride. Number three, it's too much work to figure out how to get advice. Who can I trust? Who do I go to? If I tell this person, are they going to tell this person? The Bible calls this slothfulness, which is a word we don't use very much, but it's very descriptive. Unfortunately, this can be laziness. So sometimes we make plans without good counsel, and those often fail or at least wind up being less effective than they could have been. At other times, we get good counsel but we get inferior counsel because we take it from the wrong people or the wrong sources. So to recap, 
why we don't seek advice from wise counselors number one it's easier to get advice from our friends it's easier to follow the herd fall in line it's easier to copy what our parents did so I'm going to read um, something I thought was really fantastic um, everyone familiar with pastor um, Andy Stanley he wrote something that I thought was very um, enlightening to the subject so I'm just going to read this and bear with me for a second um, I am constantly amazed at how resistant folks are to take their cues from people who are where they want to be but I'm even more amazed at how quick the average person is to borrow a page or two from someone who's never been where he wants to be. How about the parents who parent like their parents and wonder why their kids are turning out the same way they did? And then there are the couples who treat each other the way they saw their moms and dads treat each other and wonder why they are just as unhappy as their parents were. These are folks who have a good idea of where they want to be, but are content to follow a map used by folks who've never been there. This happens all the time among friends. The great thing about having friends who share your season of life is that you have so much in common. But the downside to that is they aren't much farther down the road of life than you are. Friends are great for friendship. They aren't always great for advice giving. And often it is not their advice that gets us into trouble. It is the assumptions we make based on what we observe about our friends. So I'll stop there. Anybody ever see somebody and say, man, their life is perfect. Man, they got it together. They've got a great family. They got a great job. They got a great car. Live in a big house. Oh, man, little do we know, every single one of us struggle, and every single one of us daily are working through our path. So I'm going to pick back up. These assumptions become a map we inadvertently follow. I call this phenomenon the herd assumption. The herd assumption happens when you assume that since everybody you know is doing something the same way, it must be all right. And they're doing all right. If everybody you know is mortgaged to the hilt, driving two lease vehicles and applying for a home equity line of credit, it can't be all that bad. They can do it. I can do it. If everybody you know works 60 hours a week, and sees their family primarily on weekends must work out somehow the problem of course is that everybody is headed for a similar destination at which no one has arrived but it feels safe everyone can't be wrong but it's not safe and by the time it becomes obvious to us that each of those three directions leads to undesirable destinations, it is usually too late to do much about it. Taking your cues from people who share your season of life is equivalent to asking for and following the directions of someone who's never been where you want to go.
So how do we get good advice along our paths? What's the secret to good counsel? And where do you find it? So again, back to Solomon. Um, he says in Proverbs 1.5, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. I'd never really thought about this verse until uh, reading through some of Matt's notes and doing a little research, but actually a breakdown of the verse wise people listen to counsel and get wiser and they may take it in from a lot of different uh, platforms they may take it from a lot of different people but think about that wise people listen to counsel and they get wiser discerning people listen to guidance and get further along their path so is it necessary that as we get wiser that we just follow the advice of what everyone's doing what the herd's doing i don't think so i don't think that's what the scripture means in that the secret to getting good counsel um, there's four here that i have knowing that you will always need good counsel no one gets to the place where he no longer needs wise counsel no matter how old you get, no matter how seasoned you are, no matter how established you are, we all need good counsel. Um, this is a great example. It was kind of hard because Matt had some of his stories, but I didn't want to tell his stories. I got to tell one of mine. When I was growing up, my mom would ask my father, Don, what do you want for dinner? In most cases, he would reply with, I don't know. What are you thinking would be good tonight? Does that make anyone angry? Any wives here it makes angry if you say, hey, what do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want? But you see, even strong Christian fathers need good advisors. The first secret to getting good counsel is to be open to it. Choose wisely who you get your counsel from. I think Don chose pretty wisely in who he was taking his counsel from. It wasn't about the meal. It was about the relationship. It was about what do you think would be good tonight? The primary point, wise people listen to wise counsel and continually add to their learning. So number two, asking more than one person's advice so Proverbs eleven fourteen, for lack of guidance a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. So notice the word that Solomon inserts before advisors in this proverb, many, not one, many. Here's something that's going to sound really obvious. Most of the really important decisions in your life seem really important to you and most important decisions seem to have a sense of urgency to them they're so important they dominate our thinking they're with us all the time so we want to make these decisions as quickly as possible back to solomon's advice in proverbs eleven fourteen. but many advisors make victory sure It's important that we open our minds 
and we're able to discern advice from others and we gain as much data, as much information as we can. But we're going to keep moving. So number three, not letting pride keep you from admitting what you don't know. Proverbs 13.10, pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. So pride may be the number one enemy of the path. Successful people are open to the fact that they don't know everything they need to know and quick to go to people who can help them. Solomon described this in terms of the path in Proverbs 12, 15, when he says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. See what he's saying? The way of a fool. Another way to say that would be the path of a fool seems right to him. So a friend comes and says, I'm worried, man, about you. I'm worried about the direction you're headed. And the fool says, nah, bro, you don't need to worry about me. I'm good. What does the wise man say when a friend says, I'm worried about you? He says, really? I'm grateful that you care. Tell me what you're seeing. <laughs> a dad comes to his son and says, I'm worried about some of the habits you're developing. Foolish son says, leave me alone, Dad. I'm good. The wise son says, thank you, Dad. Tell me what you're seeing. A mom comes to her daughter and says, honey, I think your behavior could get you into trouble someday. Foolish daughter says, come on, Mom. You're so old-fashioned. The wise daughter says, thank you, Mom. Tell me what you're seeing. Supervisor comes to an employee and says, I know this is none of my business, but can I give you a little advice? The foolish employee says, Hey, pal, it's none of your business. Mind your own business. The wise employee says, I need all the advice and counsel I can get. The Bible's most gripping example of this is the story of a young king named Rehoboam. His story is found in 2 Chronicles 10. So Rehoboam has just become king, and the people feel like they have been worked unduly hard by his predecessor. So before they allow him to be crowned as king, they ask him to lighten up on his demands for their labor. Let's pick the story up at verse 5. Rehoboam answered, Come back to me in three days. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. They replied, if you will be kind to these people and please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and we're serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him replied, tell the people who have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our, our yoke lighter. Tell them my finger is thicker than my father's waist. 
So if we fast forward, after hearing their request, Rehoboam made three very smart decisions. He asked for time to decide what to do. He was wise enough to know that this was not a time for a rush decision. He seeked advice in making his decision. He chose to listen before he decided. He listened to many counselors, not just one, and not even just one group of people. What Rehoboam was not interested in, though, was actual advice. What he wanted was confirmation of his own conviction. So the reason he went to two groups for advice was that the first group didn't tell him what he wanted to hear. Never mind, these men are older and wiser. Never mind that they had been there to help make his father the wisest and richest king of his day. Never mind that they had actually gone where Rehoboam wanted to go. This is the, Reho this is the lesson of Rehoboam's entire life, which has gone in a parade before all of history. So, number four, taking counsel from those who have been where you want to go. Um, imagine for a minute what your life would be like if you developed the habit of not being impulsive in your decisions, making and not being of indecisiveness either, but of consulting older, wiser, more successful people than you. Some of us wonder why our plans fail so often. Honestly, some of our plans have failed because we sabotaged them. But many of our plans fail because they weren't the best plans. God's word says in Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So before the praise team ends our time together, let's think about five things, five suggestions. What will you do with this advice today? So number one, I would suggest, come back next week. We're growing in wisdom every week, but we're not through yet. Solomon has just a few more lessons to teach us. Come back next week. Number two, finish the book of Proverbs. Read it. It can be kind of heavy reading. It's very applicable to our lives. Very, a lot of wisdom. Ask God to show, number three, ask God to show you the counselors he has for you. And number four, seek advice this week from someone who is where you want to be. And number five, most importantly, follow Jesus. I think it's very interesting that while Jesus was on the earth, the phrase he used more often than any other in the Bible was, follow me. That's a directional statement. Follow me. Walk behind me. Walk the path I'm walking. Come to me, he says, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For the yoke I will place upon you on the road we will walk together is easy. And the burden I will give you will seem light. For I am gentle and humble of heart. And as you follow me, you will find rest for your souls.